For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Happy birthday to you. Oh, my goodness. Happy birthday Wow. Oh, I need a picture of this. Wait, wait, keep singing, people. Happy birthday to you. Yay! I know we're on the radio, but can't we keep the can't we do it again? Thank you, friends. Aw. Uh, hey. You even got Charlie in here. He never leaves the microphone. <laughs> wow. It's producer Moose on behalf of all of us here at Crawford Broadcasting and the good news. Happy birthday to Angie. She never looked better than 29. Yay! Yay! Oh my goodness, thank you, Matt. When a card with a heart on it. That means you love me, Leah. (laughs) Thank you. Is it? Oh, it's on the Dr. Joe diet. That's because Dr. Joe is here. Don't even look at that, Dr. Joe. It's made with coconut oil and stevia. Mm, See? (laughs) Oh, that was fun. Look at Moose getting all tricky. Did you know they were going to do that? I did not know they were going to do that. No, I didn't either. That was really fun. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. All right, so it's Thursday. It's my birthday. And uh, coming up, you nut, Dr. Joe. We're going to talk with Dr. Joe about sleep more, stress less. But not yet, Dr. Joe. We're doing good news first. Well, it's on this. (laughs) Don't you get carried away with me again. All right. Also, uh, Pastor uh, Peter Chin is going to join us, and he is going to talk to us about going through a lot of difficulties and how you find hope when you feel like God has really a bit blindsided you. In fact, that's the title of his book, Blindsided by God, Disappointment, Suffering, and the Untamable Goodness of God. And the things that he went through when he was trying to plant a church and with his wife's health and then with, um, you know, a pregnancy and, oh my goodness, it just, talk about when it rains, it pours. So he is, my mom read that book back to back and she then told me everything about it, Dr. Joe. And I'm like, I've interviewed Peter a couple of times. I know the book, mom, but she just loved it. And it gives you hope. So if you're having a rough time right now, don't miss Peter Chin. All right, Dr. Joe Arve, helping us get healthy, stress less and sleep more and look good lose weight, etc. Uh, we had a wonderful event. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing that with you. And it seems like people were really inspired to get their health on track. You know, we had an amazing, we spent three hours helping people just basically find out where they need their areas in their thinking, in their eating, in allowing to- to- toxic chemicals to come into their body, finding time for at least six minutes of exercise and working on their posture because the, the whole new word is that sitting is the new smoking. Yes. And, and so we really had an amazing life-giving time where they left there with hope, 
They left there with more love in their heart. They left there with more of that, that they're not junk. They can be healthy. Their life can get turned around. And not someday, but literally in 30 days. So yes. it was really a fun time. It was fun. You and did it's great. not, and it does, it, it, people weren't scared when they left. Like, oh, no. this is overwhelming. Like, this is doable. They were or he's got another event coming up, and another free event. So we'll talk, at least free for my listeners. If you're a listener of mine, you get to go for right. free. We'll so we'll about talk about that, that in a minute. But first, the good news. And Dr. Joe, I thought of you when um, I, I came across this story because it's a mom with a little girl with cerebral palsy. And she says for moms of kids with disabilities, it's always a mommy and me play date because you're constantly with your child. You're helping your child walk or communicate. Right. And so you are together at the hip. And she saw that the New York City Ballet, I mean, the New York City Ballet, past, uh, Dr. Joe, I mean, come on. That, that's the best of the best. They were offering workshops for kids. Mm. Well, two of the principal dancers were teaching the workshop. And she thought, wouldn't that be great if we could get my daughter with cerebral palsy in there? But she thought, no, because, you know, there a lot of the kids have difficulty walking or can't right. walk or wear braces right. or in wheelchairs so they went and asked and guess what they got these principal dancers and one of them said he's never really worked with anyone with um, disabilities but you won't believe what they did with the kids they actually decided they'd pull away all braces because it's art yeah. it's not therapy it's 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 dance and so they ended up it was so beautiful what happened when they took away all the braces etc for the kids so take a listen here's part one when a parent like me has a disabled child, a lot of the time that we spend together is, it's based on medical intervention. Cerebral palsy is caused by a traumatic brain injury. There were movement workshops for children to dance with dancers from the New York City Ballet. And I really would have loved to have done one of those with Pearl, but I didn't want her to be the focus of other people's stares or, or comments, and I, I wanted to, to really protect her from that. I wrote an email to the New York City Ballet. I just emailed them. It would mean so much to my daughter and children like her to be able to take part in a New York City Ballet workshop and for one day feel like they too could become ballerinas. And I thought, you know, the worst they'll do is they'll say they're not interested. Out of the blue one day, I got an email. Would you be willing to come and help us set up some workshops for children with disabilities? And I remember looking at it and thinking, well, let me think, but yes, because this is Lincoln Center with two of the principal dancers of the New York City Ballet. I strangely have very little contact in my life with the disabled. And I think that there are just so many stigmas that you absorb through culture, through media. I didn't want to treat them differently than a normal child, and I didn't want to make them feel disabled. All right, so the last two you heard, those are the dancers. Mm -hmm. He admits he's never worked with disabled kids or disabled people, and she said she didn't want them to feel disabled. But I love the guy who heads it all up, Dr. D. Yeah. He's like, well, would we like to do it? Yes, we'd exactly. like to do it. But it takes a Dr. D to say yes, because these programs, it takes extra effort to get your principal dancers to teach the kids with disabilities as well as the other kids. It takes extra effort to do something special like this. It could be messy. Yep. It could be messy, and it sounds like, you know, that's okay. So then they turn to Dr. D, the guy who was like, yes, and say to him, well, what about their braces and, you know, their walkers and, you know, what do we do with those? And he, 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 it's, he's very inspiring. What he decided made it even more beautiful because the kids could do so much more on their own than their parents even thought they were capable mm. of. Because the parents are like, oh, no, well, we don't want them to be without their braces and they need those. And the kids were running around the room and learning how to dance. It's just amazing. People looked at me 10 minutes beforehand and said, Dr. Dikowski, do they wear their braces? And I looked down and I said, this is dance, not therapy. 
Dr. D just decided that everyone should take their braces off. Like everyone should be present fully in their bodies without any sort of um, restrictive devices. That moment really clicked for us, it resonated, and you saw this great sense of liberation. Freedom. Total freedom. She can let her body go. She can be the same as someone else. When Juliet was two, she was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. So you'll see she's slightly wobbly when she walks. It's an incredible opportunity. I mean, just to say she's come and she's danced with someone from New York City Ballet is incredible in itself. Just let it go and feel the rhythm and yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that was Juliet. And I'd say she's about 11 and she can walk, but as her mom said, she's wobbly. But you should have seen her learning these dance moves. I mean, this is the first time that she's ever really been free to dance. And it was really during all of those, you know, sound bites, Dr. Joe, during all of those interviews, they're showing the kids dancing. It's really beautiful. Yeah. It just shows you the power of that inner spirit, that power of what we call the the, the doctor on the inside, you know, that it can bring healing through any, whether it's giving a child a chance to be a child. And you see this, and they always surprise you. I mean, there's even my own children and your children, you know, whether your son's swimming or something like that or your daughter, it's just if we let them just be who God made them to be, they will blow us away every time and enjoy that process just for who they are. And I, I love the idea that the parents got to see their kids yeah. really um, enjoy this so much. It brought a lot of joy and tears to the parents. Here's the last part. I see parents who are always holding, literally holding their children up or pulling them out of a wheelchair. And when I can see them sitting and seeing their child be independent, yeah, I get emotional. <laughs> when I see Maggie dance, I really see her heart. I see joy. And that, for a parent, is just the best. And we mess up, then we mess up. We just have fun with it. It was a really emotional day. Maria and I uh, had not been prepared for how connected we would feel immediately with the, the group of kids that we had. In fact, we had uh, underprepared for how energetic, enthusiastic, and physically capable uh, these kids turned out to be. They just turned it into this, this amazing program. So awesome. <laughs> so awesome is right. They loved it. Isn't that neat? And just that sometimes we even, you know, don't realize what we're capable of, you know, yeah. able-bodied people. Yeah. And, and again, anytime a, a parent can see the joy in the heart of their child come out, you know, it's just amazing. And whatever brings that out, that should be what we encourage, whether it's sports, whether it's music, whether it's school. It's, you know, that as a parent, I, I really learned from a lot of mentors of what, not to push my kids into things, but to really look for where the joy they like to do. And I even heard a mom yesterday in the office. She says, I'm an unschooler. And I'm like, what do you mean? She said, well, uh, when they're ready to learn, they'll let me know. She said, I was, try I was tired of trying to force my children to learn things. I thought, you know, when my daughter decided she wanted to read, then she was a much more <laughs> wanted to learn to read. And it went a lot faster. So taking these children who want to dance and put them in this situation, I bet the, the – um, the, the what would you call them principal dancers were blessed were touched more probably than the students were 
I bet I bet their world was totally blown so away as far so. as the joy that they got to do with these kids and let them dance in a way that was so free flowing and so natural. And then the parents get to see their kids that look, for a better word, normal up there, going, "Hey, there, yes. my child on that stage has no disability. That that musical, that dance is written for them to show their joy." So yeah, it's amazing. Super cool. That's what life should be like every day. Yeah, no, really that exciting. Is, is, that is finding ways to share that joy in that heart every day, and finding ways to stretch ourselves. Yes, you know? that's a family. Yes. All right, one more because I, I wanted to share this with you because you talk a lot about um, not just the physical aspect of our health and what we eat and our exercise, but also the mental aspect of positive affirmations and um, doing things for others, being kind to others. And I just love this because a lot of these kids on this bus are tweens, you know, and tweens can sometimes be kind of bratty and not really like, I don't know, sweet. And uh, there's a grandma in the window and for five years, this grandma has been waving at all the kids on the bus and there's different ages on the bus, but it's this tween boy, you'll hear from him in a minute. Um, but anyway, so grandma waves every day and all the kids wave out the window when they pass and they always look for her Well, she was missing mm -hmm. so the bus driver who's just the sweetest lady ever she knows every kid's name you'll hear when they get on the bus she knows every single one of the kids names um, she went to the hospital and found out what happened to grandma mm -hmm. and then she ends up bringing her a huge picture of every kid on the bus waving out the window so in the hospital she can still see them mm -hmm. and uh, I just think it's so neat that the kids like cared. They wanted to know where's our grandma that waves at us right. every day because she's special to us. We care about her. Yeah. Here's part one. As they board her bus every morning, Carol Mitzelfeld greets all 90 students by name. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Cameron. There's a comfort and familiarity here, a warmth that radiates well beyond the bus to a woman known as the grandma in the window. The 93-year-old lady who's been waving to those kids from her dining room window every school day for the last five years. Carol was telling us that a lot of times she doesn't really remember her daughter's name, and but she always remembers to wave to the kids of the bus, so that makes me feel really special. But one day, the window was empty, and the next day, and the next, Carol found out Grandma had had a stroke. It was kind of heartbreaking because, like, she was, like, always there. And She'll be coming by. It turns out Grandma's name is Louise Edlin. She has 30 grandchildren, 23 great-grandchildren, and she's been married to her husband, Dave, for 53 years. He spent the past three weeks holding his wife's hand at a rehab center. What you're going to hear a little bit about is that there's hope. You know, at the end of this, you're going to hear the, her excitement about getting back to see the kids and wave gives her like a purpose, like a hope, like a little spark in her day. And so uh, mm -hmm. Carol brings the flowers and the picture of the kids in the bus. And then Grandma's starting to talk a little bit again mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. talking about how much she loves them and waves to them. When Carol found out, she brought Louise a simple bouquet of flowers. The next day, the kids said, look, look, there's a sign in the window. A sign saying thank you to Carol and her kids. That made me really smile because it means just how much we mean to her. To show how much grandma means to them, the kids made this sign for her so she could still see them waving to her every day. Hello, how are you? Today, Carol pays one of her regular visits and brings the kids with her. The stroke has partially paralyzed Louise's throat. The words don't come easy, but her love for those kids pushes them past her lips. Yeah. You miss them too. No, it means everything in the world to her. It, it gives her something to look forward to every day. 
Carol and the kids on bus number seven have been a great inspiration to Louise as she works relentlessly to recover. If all goes as planned, she'll be back home on Tuesday and promises to be back in her window by the time the children head home from school. Isn't that super sweet? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just what life is all about. Having a reason other than yourself, whether it's the kids to wave back and show honor or for this grandmother that means that's all maybe all she has that day is these kids driving by in the bus. And who knows what memories it brings back. But, you know, she's able to wave and she's able to give love and get love received. And it's just an important thing. And have Good a news. reason to, you know, recover and work on getting yes, home. Yes, a reason and, to live. And having the kids like... You know, and the bus driver, what a saint she is to, you know, come and visit her and bring her flowers and get that big picture. I mean, it's like a long bus picture of the kids and right. have it all developed and brought to her with all of them waving and smiling. It's just there's so many levels of niceness in this. All right, Dr. Joe, you have another event to help us get healthy. And I love this. Sleep more, stress less, because if we sleep more, we are healthier. Yeah. You know, sleep, uh, it's the the the. the Sleeping less and stressing more seems to be an American way of life. And yes. so, you know, sleeping more and stressing less has a lot to do with your own body, what you eat, how you think, what you're doing in those hours after three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, things called circadian rhythms, things about psychologically how to check your because I ask people, I can't sleep at night. And well, is it because the ideas and the thinking, the brain just won't shut off? Yeah. And so what can you do to help literally sleep more? And therefore, as you get more sleep, that's going to help your hormones. That's going to help you actually lose weight. That's going to help your body feel better. When you wake up, you're going to feel rested. And when you go into your day feeling more rested, then you're going to stress less. And so the event's going to be on November the 7th. That's a Saturday morning. Uh, it's free. Uh, this is free to our community. It's our way of giving back. It starts at 930 and uh, we're going to have fun. And again, again, and the whole point is learning how to sleep more. You know, the, how to make your room ready for better sleep. How to prepare your day to have less stress. Cause it's all connected. And then what can you do throughout the day to help get ready for the best night sleep ever? With how you think, what you eat, what to not, not allow into your body, how to take care of your posture when you sit all day. It's going to be fun. And Excellent. It, so how do people reach you, Dr. They Joe? can either text me at 303-349-6011. Again, 303-349-6011. Or go to SpineGeek.com. That's SpineGeek.com. Excellent. And Dr. Joe just really has a passion for helping people get healthy. He's really helped me and my family. Grand Grand's lost weight. She's really walking. She's she walked great. like nine blocks the other night. And that was a lot for her at yep. once. And she said she was fine. Different than two years ago. Love it. All right. We'll be right back. Proclaiming the love of Christ through the airwaves. 810-KLVZ, where love lives. Do you ever feel like you're just searching for a church and you just can't find the right one? Well, I must have looked for about 10 years. I have to tell you, I've never been so excited to go to church. I feel that Pastor John Moreland, my pastor, that's you, John, um, has a real gift for teaching. And there's so much love in that church. And I've never felt more welcome. And I have to tell you, Pastor Moreland, I just... I, I love going to church now. I learn something every week, and, I, and I, I just feel so blessed by you. It makes me cry. Well, I'm humbled to hear you say that. Denver Christian Bible Church is about two things. One, we want to make genuine connections with people, and two, we want to genuinely connect those people to Jesus. 
Thursday night we connect, you can go to dinner, you get to know people. And then on Sundays, I just feel like it's a time of getting together and learning. And I feel I'm always hugged. I've never been hugged so many times in my life by people who are really happy to see me there. And so I feel like I'm growing, but I also feel like I have a support system at Denver Christian Bible Church. So if people would like to come, how do they reach you, Pastor Moreland? Please go to our website. You can download our sermons for free and find out where we are, denverbible.org. Hi, it's Angie Austin. Have you ever thought about mentoring someone? Well, guess what? We need you. The Denver Rescue Mission needs mentors for kids and adults. Hello, Alexa with the Denver Rescue Mission. So how can we help you? Uh, You can sign up to be a mentor for a child or an adult, um, people who are um, in one of the Denver Rescue Mission programs. um, And you basically sign up at denverrescuemission.org. And for mentoring, there's a little bit more involved. You may have to do a background check in some of those things. But it's a, a few times a month commitment. And you can spend, you know, an hour or so with a kiddo or an adult and really pour into their lives a little bit when they've come from some some situations in their lives and just be a friend. Yeah, be a friend. And you've been mentoring someone and you find mentoring that young gal very satisfying. I do. I'm mentoring a 14-year-old girl and it's been just a blast. So I really encourage you to, you know, look into it. And give us your website again. DenverRescueMission.org. It's harvest time at the farm. The 13th annual Fall Festival at Denver Rescue Mission's Harvest Farm. The 209-acre farm can hardly contain all the Fall Festival fun. The whole family can enjoy a traditional corn maze, as well as a petting zoo and hay wagon rides from 10 to 9 on Fridays and Saturdays, and noon to 7 on Sundays. All new this season is Fright-Free Family Day on October 31st, where the gross and gory can stay at home. There will be costume contests, peanut-free trick-or-treating, and more. Proceeds from the festival will help the New Life Program at Harvest Farm, an outreach of the Denver Rescue Mission. This program has been helping men overcome homelessness and addiction so they can return to society as productive and self-sufficient citizens. Join in on the fun every weekend this October. Come in this weekend. It'll be over before you know it. For tickets and all the details can be found at harvestfarm.net slash fallfestival. Denver Rescue Mission, changing lives in the name of Christ. 810 KLVZ, Brighton, Aurora, and Colorado Springs, where love lives. Welcome back. Well, Peter Chin is an author. He is a pastor, and he wrote the book Blindsided by God. And it has to do with disappointment, suffering, and the untamable goodness of God. And Peter, we've had you on the show before, and I'm glad to have you back. Hi. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. Okay, I think I told you the last time we spoke that my mom devoured your book, and she just, it was so funny, Peter, too, because she read it as if I knew nothing about you, and every time she found out something new in the book, she had to tell me it all, and I said, Ma, like I told you last time I've interviewed Peter, I know know the whole story, but then she'd read another chapter and want to tell me everything from that chapter. Well, that's what parents have to do. I think it's a genetic (laughs) thing that has to happen. I think you're right. Well, um, let's give a recap about what the book is about. We're actually going to cover a specific topic. Topic today, and that has to do with um, understanding how suffering and disappointment, how we deal with that in light of God's love and power. And I've had friends who've lost, um, you know, had some losses lately, and they said they're really struggling with um, being angry at God and understanding why this happened and how to deal with it. So give us a recap of what you went through and you recount in the book, because I know it well from Grand Grand telling me several times. Sure. Um, And then we'll go through how to deal with suffering in light of, you know, our relationship with the Lord. 
Yeah, I mean, I can really resonate with uh, your friends and really everyone because this is a universal condition in terms of encountering some pretty difficult seasons and having to understand how God can be good in the midst of it. Um, in my own life, uh, we felt, my wife and I felt called to church planting. And so we moved our, uh, our family, our two daughters, into the city, into Washington, D.C., to plant a church. Um, but right, as soon as we planted the church, we kind of experienced. Uh, just wave after wave of disappointments and uh, difficult moments. My wife miscarried her third child. Um, our house was broken into the day we purchased it. And then um, in the fall of that year of 2009, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, right after that, our insurance company told us that they wouldn't pay for any of her treatments, that um, they declared her uh, condition pre-existing. And then finally, we found out that her cancer had already started to spread to her lymph nodes and um, was a very dangerous form of breast cancer that wouldn't respond to most modern therapies. And all of that happened in six months at the same time as us planting a church. And so it's just this incredible collision of, you know, calling and purpose and trying to do something for the Lord with um, the most difficult circumstances we'd ever faced in our lives. And we couldn't, I couldn't make sense of that initially. It was very difficult for me to understand how God could let something that ha like that happen while we were trying to obey him, trying to do something for him ultimately. And so that's really what the book is about. It's um, retelling that story, but also uh, providing some insights as to how to make sense of seasons like that. And you were planning a church in an area that wasn't an easy area to live in, a little dangerous. I mean, you were really sacrificing for God. And I guess I would feel like I'm sacrificing for you, God, and all of this stuff is happening in my family. And then right. um, you mentioned the miscarriage, but then in the midst of your um, your wife's cancer, did she she got pregnant then, right? And they recommended she terminate the pregnancy because she was being treated for cancer? Right. I mean, that was that was the kind of the turning point, maybe the first uh major lesson of the of our story is that um, when my wife was going in for a mastectomy or first stage of the treatment, she found out or we found out right there on the surgical gurney that she was pregnant with our third child. Um, and that, that, that was a sign to both of us that God was still doing something, though we couldn't understand what it was. We both felt very strongly that God had given us that child. Well, a miracle. Uh, the child is fine. I mean, that's what blew me away in the midst of all that treatment. I mean, she's going in for a mastectomy and cancer yeah. treatment, and she, of course, keeps the baby, and the baby was fine. Yeah, we we, we were advised to um, uh, terminate the pregnancy. They said that um, the chemo drugs wouldn't be safe for my wife or for, for my for the baby. And if we delayed the um, chemo, that uh, my wife would be endangered because the cancer would spread. So it was a, cho it was a choice between one life or the other. Um, but we, again, we felt strongly that, that God had given us his child and that God would protect both lives. And um, so we went ahead with chemo while my wife was pregnant, um, which is, you know, was not, was, we were told was not a good idea for, for, uh, for anyone's sake, really. All right. Now, um, I'm going to, in light of everything you lived through, and you still are a man of faith, you still are a pastor, you've written a book about this to help bolster others uh, out there, uh, you know, us, you're trying to bolster us through your words of hope. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of my friend's situation sure. and why I think it's so unfair. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to give us in general, for whoever's going through difficulties right now, some words of encouragement in light of what God helped you get through. So my girlfriend's mom 
who I'm also friends with, she uh, was uh, in an abusive marriage and a meth addict for years. She just turned 60, and she's been clean for not quite a decade. And so my girlfriend, um, through her childhood, you know, had to deal with a lot. Hmm. And the abuse she suffered was so bad that last year she showed me the court case and the pictures. He had slit her throat and beaten her with a barbell. She almost died, and the judge said in the case when this man was sentenced, I don't think he'll ever get out, that it was hmm. the worst case of abuse he'd ever seen. So here hmm. she is now a grandmother. Um, my friend raised um, her brother, who was, um, you know, her mom's son, was her half-brother. He just left for college a month ago. He's a beautiful Christian boy. He'll probably end up being a pastor. And his mom is clean now. She's been clean for, I, my guess is about eight years. I've interviewed them. Their family's back together. There's so mm-hmm. much love now. And she finally has peace. Mm-hmm. Well, I just got word she just got hit by a car and she died. Mm-hmm. And I guess oh. what I feel is it's so not fair. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's no easy answer. And I think that's that's really important to say is that there's no one, you know, apologetics answer where you open up a book and you, there's a glossary or, you know, uh, an index and you look up your situation and try to figure, make sense of it. Um, I, I think a few things that I learned from my own story is that dealing with suffering in the midst of who God is, requires us to wait for the whole story to be unveiled. Meaning that we can't take a snapshot of one moment to understand the fullness of what God might be doing. That sometimes we have to look at where a person came from to where they where they got to and eventually where they go to in the end. And so for her story, what I think about is that she actually, she saw God's grace in an amazing way their family did. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of where they were, to where they got to, you know, getting free of addiction and raising beautiful children. That is no small thing and no small uh, story to rejoice in. Um, and so that should be taken into account. That That is an important, beautiful part of their story. Um, as for believers, we, we can even extend that outward, that we don't always get happy endings that we want. Um, you think about Paul. I mean, if you think about Peter, you think about any of the disciples, or even, you know, um, it's, it's, you can follow Jesus with all your heart and still suffer terribly. That's the truth of the word of the scripture. I think where we get an extra level of comfort, not just in this life, is that our story continues on even afterwards. That, you know, your friend's, your friend's mom is, or she's not going to be robbed of her happy ending. That our happy ending is something that ultimately um, extends beyond this life, that we feel like this life is not all that we get either, which is a rare comfort that believers can really uh, take to heart. And as a pastor, you know, having officiated funerals and things of that nature, that is a very real and powerful source of strength. And so I think you're right. Over and over again, looking at her Facebook page, seeing blessed written on her page. And I have to say my girlfriend, Natalie, for her to have grown up in that turmoil, she and I kind of relate because we grew up around so much turmoil and we both became such strong Christians. Um, she was so forgiving and uh, letting her mom back in the life, living living with them and her family and you know her raising her brother. Um, her mom was so loving and forgiving that that last you know eight years or so that she got with her when she was clean was so mm. was so beautiful. I mean, it really mm. was beautiful to see them together. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's so. The last chapter of the book, I kind of address the fact that not everyone gets happy endings. How do we make sense of that when someone else's story ends better than our own? And what I what I kind of allude to is that God doesn't guarantee us happy endings in this life. Instead, in this life, what we're given are amazing glimpses, meaning that we get glimpses of 
of God's presence, of his love, of his wisdom, yeah. and that give us a, like a foreshadowing of what he has in store for us. And so, you know, we have to change our mentality towards it's happily ever after to I caught a glimpse of who God is in my life, and that's enough for me now. Um, and that's what the disciples lived for. And, you know, that, that's kind of a the biblical model of, of understanding God is catching a glimpse of him that's so amazing, so sublime that it does carry us through valleys. Not that we never go through the valleys, but that what he gives us is enough to get through them. And so it sounds like your your friend's family received their amazing glimpse of, of, of wholeness and uh, what they have uh, coming as well. And so um, I hope that's some comfort to to their family. Well, and you do mention, you know, um, in talking about, and again, if you're just joining us, Peter Chin is talking about dealing with really difficult suffering, let's be honest, suffering. And in his book, Blindsided by God, Disappointment, Suffering, and the Untamable Goodness of God, we talked um, the first time we interviewed him about everything his family went through. And we recapped that at the beginning of the interview. Now, you are pretty blunt when you say you wanted to talk today a little bit about how anger and sadness are acceptable emotions to have during difficult seasons of our lives. Yeah. And that the love of God is big enough to absorb those feelings. But at the same time, you're pretty, pretty blunt when you say there comes a time when we have to stop crying and stand up to face our situations. And I think so many of us get stuck in a rut that can last 40, 50 years, a lifetime. And yeah. I have to be honest with you, that's where I start to lose patience when people yeah. can't... And, and this is not my friend's situation. This is my own situation in my own life. But the turmoil I had as a kid, my mom has a real hard time with forgiveness and the anger comes out at my children. Mm-hmm. And I actually said to her today, mom, you're not angry at the kids. You're angry at your parents and my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if he was very abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you're angry at, my, at your parents and my dad. Stop spewing that hate at my children. And mm-hmm. so I start to get angry when people can't just, you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps at some point and you have to face the pain, stop crying and figure out a way out of this. And usually it has to do with forgiveness or healing. Yeah, it, it's it's strange. It's it's kind of a, a a mixture of both in some ways. In some ways, in a situation like that, when people aren't allowed to be angry at certain people, they're not allowed to express their emotions. It will seep out to people who they do feel like they have the the space to do that with. Yes, you know, that's so and so true. the grandkids. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of the first half of the story. Is that you know we're told that we can't be angry or sad, usually around parents, because they say, you know, that's wrong. You know, they they think they're trying to get you to stop crying, but really they're telling you that you can't feel that way. And we stuff it in and eventually it pours out somewhere else. And that's partially, I think, what, you know, what happens in situations like that. What a great um, visual, Peter, that you stuff it in and it pours out somewhere else because, you know, you, you get abused by someone in your childhood, you stuff it in, and then it pours out really on people you love and destroys re- relationships that could be beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And so that that's, you know, that thing should be taken into account. It sometimes it's a bootstrap, sometimes it's that there is that story of not having been able to feel those emotions, not being told it's okay and then, you know, it comes out. But it, you're right, and I think that there are moments where we simply cannot wallow. It, it it's just not helpful. It's not uh constructive in any way and we do have to find a way out and um we kind of have to face the circumstances that we've been given and not 
um, continuously look at or lament what we wish had happened and the cards we wish you know had been yeah, dealt to us. The woulda, shoulda, coulda. Wish I woulda. Wish I coulda. Right. Shoulda happened. I and I can't live that way because you can look back and spend so much time. And I always say uh, I got this from a friend that the fr- the the front um, window of your car is so big and the rear view mirror is so small because we're not supposed to spend all this time looking back at the past. It's just glimpses. We're not supposed to focus on it. And you yeah. say that in dealing with suffering. It often entails taking our uh, eyes off of our circumstances and focusing on God. And I think of two things. Charles Stanley always says, one of my favorite pastors, we fight our battles on our knees. And my girlfriend, who became a widow at the age of 31, her husband was sick for 12 hours. I thought he had the flu. And then she was a widow with two preschoolers. She Mm. said she could do nothing, nothing but sit in a coffee shop and write the Psalms out word by word because she could barely function. And she just mm. sat there and she wrote out the Psalms word by word, Psalm by Psalm. Yeah. And I think you know, every person has a different way of focusing on God. You know, it could be prayer, it could be hiking, it could be a lot of different things. But, you know, there are times in our lives where we can't fathom what God is doing and we look at our circumstances and it seems not to be a gift at all. Right. In, in those moments, it's really important, like I say you know, in the book, to focus on the giver because sometimes you don't want to always understand the gift. It's like wrapped up in a tinfoil. And so we look at it and it seems terrible. Which, <laughs> yeah, you know, it seems it, terrible. Why did I yeah. want this? I didn't want this gift, God. But if you know the giver and you, you trust him, then you could say it looks terrible, but there's got to be something here that you want me to have, you know, if, if the giver is good. And sometimes it is important to take your eyes off your circumstances, where you are and focus on the, the, the God that you know, so that you can discern what God might be doing. I mean, that's hard. It's not easy. And that's why I think it is good to have multiple ways of, of connecting and, uh, and understanding who God is. So you're saying, in other words, looking less at the gift and more at the giver, and the gift may be some horrible circumstance. You're actually calling that a gift because you say in the book, one of the blessings of suffering is that it accomplishes work in our lives that could not have taken place in any other way. In some way, it is like a school that no one wants to go to, It's but it's deeply informative. And last week I was speaking at, um, it's called the Haven House, and these are women who've been incarcerated, and they've come out and gone through a hardcore kind of lockdown rehab facility, and it's prison. Or the rehab facility, like they either get out early or they serve their sentence in this facility. And when I say it's hardcore, it is really hardcore. And one of the girls, Brandy, who lost all four of her children, she'd been incarcerated for years. She was an addict. She now, she got out and started doing construction work. And that guy that hired her, um, he now, um, (laughs) she was an employee. She now owns, she's the president of her own construction company. And he hires her, he outsources and hires her company. And she said to me, Angie, in some ways... we're the lucky ones, you and I. Now, I was never an addict, but we both had difficult, you know, upbringings. And mm. she said, we're the lucky ones because we're tougher. We can handle more. We know how to get out of things. We can problem solve. She said, in a way, we're the lucky ones. We're the tough ones because we have something extra special. And so mm. that's what you're saying. We went to that school of hard knocks and you're yeah. saying we can come out of it better if we handle it properly? Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't say that lightly because when people are going through you know, the valley or the pit, whatever, whatever kind of image they have. Um, it, it's, it's almost impossible to see it as a blessing unless you on faith kind of know it. Um, but in retrospect, that that season of my life, um, I still actively use this, the lessons and the character 
and all the things that I that I that I experienced during that time, I actively use it to this day, and it made me a better pastor, a better husband, a better father, in in a profound way that I never could have, uh, I never could have grown as substantially if I just read a book or gone to a conference or any of those things. There's something so profound about suffering being refined. I mean, that's how scripture defines or, you know, uh, kind of describes it as being refined. Um, and, and sometimes being able to see that season as a refining season requires us to, again, look at the giver, you know, uh, to, to take the eyes off, wow, this really hurts, to if my God loves me and he wants what's best for me, there must be something here that I can learn from. There must be some good here that I could find. And so it really helps us be more discerning and open to the character building that God might have. And of course, you know, that's not the only reason that suffering is allowed, but it is one of the reasons that um, that suffering does happen, that it does allow us to to grow and to understand ourselves and our world more clearly. So Peter, in your um, in your work as a pastor and in your teachings um, and, you know, what you teach us in the book, a lot of this knowledge is really gleaned from those painful experiences that you now use to minister to others. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it is, it still is the formative story of my life and it, it informs, I mean, I, I, I feel sorry for my parishioners because they hear about this all the time. Like it's the one story that I keep on pulling out at the end of every sermon, but it's it's been that formative for me. And it really is the worst and best season of my entire life. Wow. And, um, you know, I saw God so clearly in that time that um, I, I don't think I will, I will, I don't know how else I would have seen him so clearly had it not been for the, the, the darkness of that season, that the darkness of that particular season gave a counterpoint to God. It was like a, a backdrop, you know, uh, that you can see something more clearly. It's like the stars, you know, in the nighttime, you can see the stars because the sky is so dark. And so that's why I saw God so clearly is because our circumstances were so terrible. But um, that's a precious thing to be able to say that you saw God. Well, you know, you've written the book, Blindsided by God. Um, you had the baby uh, that was healthy when your um, wife, you know, was dealing with the cancer treatment and the mastectomy and everything else. So what's going on now? We have about a minute left. Tell us where, you're, where your life is now, what you're doing and how everyone's doing in your family. Yeah. Um, you know, after my after my wife's uh, um, treatments, she wasn't supposed to be able to have any more children because of the chemotherapy, um, which was fine. We had three um, children. You know, our third was born after chemo, which is a miracle in itself. Um, we were also told that, uh, you know, uh, you know, that the baby might be harmful and things like that. We actually found out that, um, women who are pregnant with breast cancer have much better survival rates, meaning that pregnancy somehow helps in, wow. in with breast cancer, which is, it was amazing. It came, that information came out a month after my son was born. So it was re- literally information that no one knew except yeah. God when, when, uh, when we first found out the pregnancy. Oh. Anyway, um, we got pregnant again a couple times, even though we were told that we couldn't. And um, since then, we've relocated now to Seattle to to, uh, to pastor a church out here. And so, like I said, we still, I, I have five now reminders of how God is good in the midst of, of trying times. And um, and so he's, uh, he's, he's still being the God that he is in my life. Wow. All right. Blindsided by God, disappointment, suffering, and the untamable goodness of God. How do we reach you, Peter? Again, if you can do it through uh, my website, Peter W. Chin, or Twitter or Facebook, which is Peter W. Chin as well. Excellent. Thank you, Peter Chin. God bless you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. The Love of Christ Lives on 810 KLVZ. 
It's harvest time at the farm. The 13th annual Fall Festival at Denver Rescue Mission's Harvest Farm. The 209-acre farm can hardly contain all the Fall Festival fun. The whole family can enjoy a traditional corn maze, as well as a petting zoo and hay wagon rides from 10 to 9 on Fridays and Saturdays, and noon to 7 on Sundays. All new this season is Fright-Free Family Day on October 31st, where the gross and gory can stay at home. There will be costume contest, peanut-free trick-or-treating, and more. Proceeds from the festival will help the New Life Program at Harvest Farm, an outreach of the Denver Rescue Mission. This program has been helping men overcome homelessness and addiction so they can return to society as productive and self-sufficient citizens. Join in on the fun every weekend this October. Come in this weekend. It'll be over before you know it. For tickets and all the details can be found at harvestfarm.net slash fallfestival. Denver Rescue Mission, changing lives in the name of Christ. When achieving your dreams is a bit more difficult than you thought, Infinite Nation is here to help. Carrie Conley is the co-creator of Infinite Nation, and she knows that when your vision is big enough, you can create infinite success. Go to InfiniteNation.com to learn more about the upcoming Vision is Victory workshop on August 27th and get your tickets. During this all-day event, Carrie will teach you how easy it is to get yourself on the right path to making your big dreams a reality. She will show you how to reconnect with and clarify your vision and create measurable and achievable goals for the short and long-term success. If you are unable to attend the Vision is Victory event on August 27th, you can still make your dreams a reality by requesting a free Vision Check phone call with Carrie Conley. She will help you discover how easy it is to get yourself on the journey to achieve your dreams. Call 720-331-8693, 720-331-8693, and go to InfiniteNation.com. Hi, it's Angie. Would you like to have a bigger business or grow your nonprofit and make more money for your charity? I would love to help you. If you like the good news, if you believe in what we do, we work with our sponsors personally. And I have friendships. I know everyone that works on the good news as an advertiser myself. And so I would love to help you build your business. And I would love to have you help support the good news if you enjoy it. And I love to work with nonprofits, as you know. So please contact me if you have questions. And News at gmail.com. Again, it's News at gmail.com if you'd like to partner with the good news. 810 KLVZ. Listen online and check out showtimes at klvz.com. Welcome back. Well, how would you like some tips to turn financial stress into long-term financial peace of mind and saving success? Now, that's good news. Well, this is National Save for Retirement Week, and here to help us again is Aaron Levine, head of Merrill Edge at Bank of America. Welcome back, Aaron. Uh, thanks, Angie. Appreciate you having me back. Yeah, always appreciate your expertise. So why is October chosen as that ideal time to you know start really thinking about retirement savings? Well, you know, it's obviously getting close to the end of the year, and so what what better time to start thinking about, especially ahead of holiday season when uh, everyone's attention turns to spending. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like October is a great time to think about, uh, you know, sort of investing in yourself and saving, and then you can, uh, before you start putting all that money towards holiday shopping. All right. Now, in terms of challenges, this is your, you know, area of expertise. What are some of the challenges that you see time and time again that we Americans are facing, you know, when we try to save for retirement? 
I think the number one is really do, do people have a plan? I think too many Americans are just not sitting down and, and really prioritizing and creating a plan. And, you know, for anything, if you don't create a plan for yourself, you tend to, you know, uh, let it go pretty quickly. Uh, so, so plan is one. And then second, it's really then the education piece, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not a simple thing to say, oh, I'm just going to save for retirement. The question is how and with what vehicles and how do you do it? So I don't think we're, we're enough taking enough time to really explore. And, and the good news is there's so much information available now on the internet, you know, sites like Merrill Edge, you know, talking to advisors and centers to really educate on, you know, the best way to go about, um, you know, saving for, for retirement. And then, of course, the, it's a prioritization challenge, right? You've got a lot of things that, that families and, and households are trying to deal with, whether it's, you know, paying down debt, saving for their kids' education. So retirement's one of many priorities. Right. So let's talk about that savings for retirement specifically. What are some of the habits you see of the people that are successful in your eyes with retirement savings? Yeah. And, you know, really the clients that we see that are successful well, uh, one, they start early, right? So obviously that's always important. The, the earlier you start, the faster you begin, the more you can commute, accumulate over time. Second, they really take a philosophy of almost paying themselves first. So all the, any money they get from a paycheck, any, any assets they have, the first thing they say is, I'm going to put some piece of that into a, a savings account and mm-hmm. a retirement account. So it becomes the number one. And I think the second thing that's really important uh, is, is you've got to have a bit of a, an emergency fund for the unknown, right? Over the course of time, things will happen. And, and you Usually, if you don't have any money set aside for that event, it's almost always the retirement money that gets kind of pulled out. So right. you got to have a little bit of an emergency fund so you don't derail retirement because of something that you didn't expect. Yeah, you hate it when you see people drain their retirement for something that's heartbreaking. All right. Um, yes. uh, how about tips for those of us who are not retired yet that you know want to be building our retirement uh, savings? So the non-retirees. Yeah, I think again, it goes to you got to start if you're with a corporation that has a 401k plan, certainly that's a great vehicle, you know, because a lot of companies will match up to a certain percentage. Right. So that's a really important place to take advantage of. Uh, you know, second is again, I, I highly recommend going on, uh, educating uh, through, through webs or, or sitting down with an advisor. Uh, to really understand it's a low interest rate environment, right? So just putting money into a savings account is really not going to get you probably where you need to go over the course of a, of a longer period of time. But you, you want to be careful with, with, with risk, and every person has a different risk profile and a different time frame. So it really is one of those topics that it's, it's difficult to do on your own. Uh, even savvy investors need help, and need, they'll, they'll turn to, to professional advice. And I think this is one where it's a great opportunity to walk into a financial center, a Bank of America, and talk to someone, go online, and really say, all right, I need to be serious about how do I, how I think this through over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. All right, Aaron, how about this one? Um, are you seeing you know, younger people, millennials and such, who are getting more concerned about the financial stress that they may face during retirement? Or are they kind of like, oh, whatever? Yeah, great question. You know, actually, we, we do a, a Merrill Edge report and we survey and actually found that the millennials are, are the generation that's probably most stressed and most concerned about savings for retirement. So I think if you look on the bright side of that, uh, of what you hear there, I think the millennials are incredibly uh, knowledgeable, right? They're all social media. They're obviously 24-7 news cycle and they're hearing this or seeing their parents and the grandparents have gone through some challenging times and probably have sort of dipped into the retirement savings or, or don't, don't have enough. So the millennials are actually extremely aware. They, they absolutely want to start taking action. I think their challenge is, is do they have that ability right. to prioritize across all their different um, challenges and, and priorities, paying down debt, living a lifestyle, and then saving for retirement. So they're right. aware. 
uh, now they got to take the actions. Yes. Yeah, like, do I want my latte or like my tattoo or like saving for <laughs> retirement when I'm like an old person and my tattoo won't look good anymore? Okay. Exactly so... <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. So where That's do we go? That's tattoo is a good one. <laughs> All right. So where do we go for more info, Aaron? Yeah, thanks. You can go to MerrillEdge.com or you certainly can walk into any of our Bank, Bank of America financial centers and talk to somebody in person. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, Andy. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.